primary care knowledge-based nursing associates. Hello and welcome back to Primary Care Knowledge Boost. Today is part of our series looking at all the different members of the primary care team and it's the turn of nursing associates this week. We speak to Heidi West who was a nursing associate in an acute setting but now is an apprenticeship facilitator for nursing associates and Marina Khan who is a trainee nursing associate at the moment in primary care. Yeah and we spent the time talking to them about what a nursing associate actually is uh, and how they differ from healthcare assistants and nurses. Uh, We also discussed the training involved and what the day job looks like. Yep, and we ended with some quickfire questions around further training, supervision and registration requirements. You may hear some acronyms throughout the chat, um, and for reference, those were NMC, which is the Nursing and Midwifery Council, NA, which is a nursing associate, and TNA, which is a trainee nursing associate. Yep, and we hope you enjoy the episode. So if we start with introductions, if that's all right, can you introduce yourselves and give us a bit of a background about about yourselves as well? So if we start with Heidi and then Marina. Yeah, so I'm Heidi West. I'm a nursing associate, but since January, I've been working for the University of Salford as an apprenticeship facilitator, supporting TNAs on the programme. But as a nursing associate, I was pilot cohort and have been nearly three years qualified and only left practice this year. My name is Marina. I am a trainee nursing associate. Before becoming a trainee nursing associate, I was a healthcare assistant. And this opportunity came up to level up, actually. And I'm really enjoying it, learning a lot on the go as an apprenticeship. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. Brilliant. And um, so first of all, whoever would like to answer this, really, um, but what is a nursing associate for, for those of us that might not have ever heard of them? So nursing associates are trained to build a bridge between a healthcare assistant and a registered nurse where they can do more than a healthcare assistant and uh, they actually get uh, proper qualification training and they can give more time to the registered nurses to focus more on, more on complex patients. So with the help of expert knowledge, a nursing associate does not need to go back and forth to a um, doctor or a registered nurse in a GP practice where they have to ask again and again what should I do so in some cases they become more independent compared to a healthcare assistant nursing associates again work according to the NMC guidelines the main point is to be more holistic when providing care to patients and try and recognize um, holistically what the patient is going through when it comes to their problems. Summed it up perfectly. Like nurses, when we're qualified, we get an NMC PIN number. So we're just as professionally accountable as them. The main difference between them is that nurses kind of coordinate and plan care, whereas nursing associates sort of monitor and and escalate up to the nurse. Um, but yeah, that's the best answer I've ever heard to what a nursing associate is. And I've just done all the interviews for the new cohort. That was nailed. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> Fabulous. Um, so maybe if we start with um, with you, Heidi, do you want to tell us how you became a nursing associate? Yeah, so I was a support worker for about two and a half years at North Manchester in A&E. And it's, you know, well before COVID. But even so, like high pressure, you know, so many jobs, tasks to do, lots of responsibility. So when 
when I joined and was pilot cohort, there hadn't been a nursing associate program before. The NMC didn't decide that it was going to register us until about halfway through the second year. So the goalposts continually moved. But because of the tasks and the responsibilities I took on as a support worker, um, I remember being asked, because I studied at Bolton Uni actually, um, I remember being asked, why did you want to do it? And I was like, I'm I'm kind of already doing it. I just want the qualification yeah. under my belt as well. So yeah, so that that's kind of the reason. And Marina, you've kind of mentioned a little bit before, but um, same question to you really. So the reason why I became a trainee nursing associate is that as a healthcare assistant, I could do similar tasks, but now they're more in depth and I have more knowledge about what I'm doing now. It makes more sense and I can uh, take so many decisions myself where earlier I would definitely double check with the doctor because my knowledge was very, very limited. So I wasn't sure what was the right thing to do and what was not. While with practice and with knowledge, I know more now. Um, and I, I just do it there and then. For example, if someone's pulse is irregular, I know what to do. I know I have to do an ECG just to see if the heart is okay. So I'm a bit more independent kind of. Still, of course, I have to go back to my registered nurses, doctors, where I'm not sure what to do. So I'll definitely still go back to them. But there's many things that I can do myself now. And I really like that independence, knowing what to do. Yeah, I can definitely see the appeal of that for sure. And so who can train to be a a nursing associate? Anyone can. Uh, I mean, before becoming a healthcare assistant, I was a receptionist. And I just got this opportunity to become a healthcare assistant. Uh, I didn't have much qualifications. And uh, really, anyone can become a nursing associate. It's a step forward. It's, it's like growing more, doing more. So anyone can do it. Do they have to have a background in anything? No, not necessarily. Because it's an apprenticeship now, we ask, it's part of the apprenticeship standard is that they have their maths and English at GCSE level. So they must have that. Um, I currently support a TNA who, before starting the programme in September, worked for British Gas for 12 years. So. Wow, yeah. um, I think she had experience of looking after family and and that's a desirable quality if you kind of, if that's sort of a passion that you've got from wherever, then it does help. But the qualifications they need are just the maths and English. So anybody. Yeah, you can be from a really varied background. Brilliant. Yeah. The program, the program allows for that though. So we start with the very basics of, of patient care, the fundamentals, care, compassion, we, we teach clinical skills on the program but yeah absolutely anybody and yeah you have touched on the training there but I was going to ask a little bit more specifically what the training looks like is it a full-time uni type program is there clinical aspects how long is it things like that okay so it's a two-year program which can go on a little bit longer it's two years if you're full-time um so it's about practice where you're hands-on learning every day um and theory time so that is Hands off, shadowing, I suppose in primary care, it'd be other, other special, specialities like end of life teams, um, podiatry, occupational therapy. We have six modules across the program, so at university, with varying assignments. Um, but there's also a practice assessment document that gets signed in practice. So TNAs will have an assessor or a supervisor, and there will be 
each module, there will be a submission date for that. So it's part of its proficiencies. So it might say, you know, making sure you're maintaining someone's comfort level or making sure they're not in pain. So right from the very, very basics. In year two, it goes up into a little bit more complex so about teaching, supervising, delegation, leadership. And there are clinical, there's a skills annex, which is based around the clinical skills, which venipuncture, ECGs, although there's a lot of plates to spin, there's a lot of program requirements, but it's all mapped to the NMC code and standards and the apprenticeship standards as well. But if you're doing one thing, you're ticking all the boxes. Uh, But yeah, that's pretty much everything. Amazing. And then, so Marina's in your training in general practice at the moment. So what what does your day job look like or what will it look like when you're qualified? What you'd be doing day to day? I mean, I already can do venipuncture. I can already do flu vaccine, B12, pneumonia, and um, can already do ECGs as well. But I'm sure Uni will tell me, if not a lot, a little bit about how to interpret it. I'm not sure. But it's more like the monitoring bit, the um, observations like blood pressure, like monitoring blood tests. Uh, But uh, if we come across anything else, such as mental health, if someone's struggling with anything like bereavement or even financial help or anything, we we can refer them through social prescribing and all. And um, I will be a bit more independent than how I was compared to when I was a healthcare assistant. Uh, but even now, I feel more confident in my practice. I, I can I can tell vital signs and things like that. Uh, A to E assessment. If someone suddenly deteriorates, what to do, what not to do. So talk to us more about that in terms of um, how the role is different from nurses' roles and healthcare assistant roles. Uh, so the difference will be, for example, as a healthcare assistant, I was just taking bloods. Like someone was booked in for bloods and that's all I had to do. I didn't know more in depth. Why are they being checked? Uh, what's the reason? What What is low? Why is it low? What, what is high? Why is it high? What can it do? Now I, uh, I understand blood tests around a certain drug that a patient is taking, how it can affect them. What am I looking for? What is high? What is low? What's the danger if it's high or low? What can happen to the patient? What to expect? I can explain it better now. Um, I can I can do asthma reviews now. I couldn't do them before as a healthcare assistant. I can do diabetic annual review without the medication. Of course, we can't um, prescribe or anything, but we have the little bit background knowledge of medication that also comes in the course and uh, just to go through their inhaler techniques and things like that. Due to COVID now, it's different. We can't do peak flows or spirometry, but in future, when everything goes a bit of kind of back to normal, I might I will be able to do that as well. Diabetes foot check, uh, skin care. I mean, we don't usually deal with wounds, but if someone's foot is not well, if I'm doing a diabetic foot check, I know where to defer to a podiatrist, chiropodist if it's to do with the nails and things like that. Um, what else can I do? And in the end of this course, I also have the opportunity to learn how to do smear tests. So yeah. So I will be able to do that as well, cytology. So I could, I wasn't able to do that as a healthcare assistant. 
it really explained when you said it's like a bridge between a healthcare assistant and a registered nurse that there is it's that it taking on loads of responsibilities of, of nurses but the kind of more maintenance element to it do, do you in, do you have to interpret um, and file blood results as well no we i can't do that and uh, we can't prescribe as a nursing associate uh, but we do have the basic knowledge of medicine yeah fantastic well i think i think it's pretty obvious what the pros of having a nurse and associate in general practice are. What about the limitations? Can either of you think of any any limitations there might be to having one in practice? I'm from a hospital background and I know that the policy for kind of medications and what the boundaries are for a nurse and associate do differ from trust to trust, practice to practice. Further um, training courses need to be taken on and completed for things like cytology um so i guess that although it's a pro because you can develop the skills depending on the need of the practice or area that's kind of got to be taken into account that further training might be needed um it's up to us as nursing associates to know what our boundaries are and what what we can and can't do because it's not always going to be clear to nurses student nurses are like sponges they can get involved in everything um with supervision so can nursing associates for the most part but there is a clear boundary set out by the nmc so it would be beneficial for everyone to understand where that line in the sand is that's perfect um, and you've actually triggered another question for me in my head um which i didn't clarify earlier but does uh whenever um a nursing associate is starting training do they need to kind of know what area they want to go into is it specific training for that area or is it just general training for those two years very general so um we work with mental health trusts there are learning disabilities areas out in social care that predominantly will just work within that speciality but one of the course requirements program requirements that i don't think I mentioned was that you are expected it's part of the NMC requirement that you spoke out and you have theory time opportunities to shadow teams in each well four speciality areas mainly so most people would be adult but they might be children if you're in adults you've got to go and shadow team in children's um so there's adult children's and young people learning disability and mental health um guys out in gp surgeries and and out in community would get their community exposure but also, you would need community at home and close to home experience. So if you're with a district nursing team, you're going to get the at home, probably close to home if you do treatment clinics, but we'll need to spoke out into maybe acute areas in the hospital. Um, I, I had to spoke out with district nurses and community to get to kind of meet all of those requirements. So the joy of it is, although it sounds like quite a lot to do in two years, the joy of it is that you will love every area that you go to. So I know I was like, oh my God, I love community. Oh my God, I love orthopedics. I love surgery. Um, and I've got a TNA that's done just that. She's had some placements out in mental health, learning disability. I don't know where she's going next, but she's going to want a job there as well. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So no, and, and it's transferable. So even if you've had a hub placement in a children's hospital there would be absolutely nothing stopping you applying for a job on an adult ward because of the transferable skills that you gain along the way that's that's the joy of it 
So we've got um, what we call the quick fire questions. Um, so you've touched on this already, but how much clinical supervision do nursing associates need um, in primary care once they're trained and who can do it? We always have um, what you call is shorthand supervision, where a GP is always at the premises or a registered nurses, just in case if we are stuck, we are a team in the end, we can ask for help. You kind of get this imposter syndrome from going as a TNA and having all the support to then having your own PIN number and working on your own initiative. Primary care, mm. you, you, you're independent, especially in second year. You know that the, the assessors and supervisors are very much hands off and you, you know you can go to them to support. So I guess it's that kind of enough support that you gain confidence as a new registrant, but also, you have a PIN number of your own. You're accountable. As, as soon as you get it, you're accountable. So, you know, I guess I guess it's having that communication. If you're not sure or there isn't much of a support system in place at the area that you work, then it's up to you to communicate what your needs are. Fab. Um, and can nursing associates supervise other specialties in primary care? So they can supervise and assess their own profession. So they can supervise and assess other nursing associates. They would be okay to supervise up to the second year of a student nurse. But over the second year, they go into a level six qualification and nursing associates are only qualified up to a level five. So they could supervise for the second year, um, but no further than that. Okay. So you have said that the um, nursing associates are registered with the NMC, um, but is there anything involved with having to keep up that registration, any annual appraisals or anything like that that you need to do? Yeah, just like a a registered nurse, it's revalidation every three years. Part of the course is to do a portfolio, to gather evidence, to write your reflections, to get feedback, to have professional discussions. And although, again, it's another element of the programme that has got to be worked on, it's practice. It's practice for the NMC that will get. It will ask you as nursing associates to do it every three years, and we still pay one hundred and twenty pound, just like a registered nurse, to to do just that and stay oh. registered. So be prepared for that. Yeah, but I was going to ask um, if, say, um, is is there any scope? Because like with uh, with you, Marina, you m- moved from healthcare assistant to nurse associate. Is there a scope to move from nurse associate to nurse? Can you train? Does it take just as long? It depends. It depends if your employer will support you. It all depends on where you are, how much support you've got. and But yeah, there is always a chance to go and grow. At the minute, there's no minimum time to spend as a nursing associate from qualifying to deciding if you want to top up. Because of the way, well, Salford, you know, University of Salford anyway, um, when the programme ends, it normally goes past the date of the new cohort for topping up. So one of my September 19s wanted to top up. So she qualified after the the most, you know, the recent intake. So she's going to work as a nursing associate till the next intake of to get onto the, the top up. But there isn't any any need to work as for a year to get experience it might be worth it personal choice but uh, there's no need to do that but each organization is offering different things so if it's something that as a res- as a registrant you're thinking about definitely look into who's offering what um i know one trust has offered it out as an apprenticeship i know another trust has 
as funded, the trust has funded the top up for some a small number of students. But if you wanted to self-fund, you can get government grants and student loan company and you can you can get the, the, the top up fees that way. Lovely. So those are our quick fire questions. Those are all our questions other than to ask you, um, what would you like listeners to take away from today's discussion? Probably that we 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 do a lot. Like Marina said, it bridges the gap, but we are very much part of the nursing numbers. Although we you know, we don't forget that it's holistic care and all the things that Marina said, holistic care, gold standard person centred care, um, but we are registrants. So I think I want people to take that that we're closer to nurses with the underpinning knowledge to some of the healthcare responsibilities. And Marina? I would say, personally, the two best jobs one can have is to serve the humanity, which is working in a healthcare profession, or to enable the humanity, which is as a teacher. But really, it really makes you happy when you help someone. And you can grow in this field more and more. There's no stopping you if you don't want to stop. If you're too tired, that's different. (laughs) (laughs) But there's loads of scope, yeah. You can always level up. You can always grow. Brilliant. Yeah, fabulous. Thank you both so, so much for chatting to us. That was really, really good. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having us. So that was a fabulous discussion, Lisa, wasn't it? It was. Um, They were fantastic, weren't they? I think I I was um, very pleased to actually find out what a nursing associate was. Yeah. um, Because I will admit that I was a bit ignorant beforehand I didn't quite know um what the job role was and I thought uh, as you said the, the bit about it being a bridge between a healthcare assistant and a nurse was quite useful to kind of visualize it for myself and I also thought it was helpful when she said that nurses coordinate and plan but nursing associates monitor and escalate mm. I was like oh, okay I can kind of see the difference there now and I can appreciate it um so yeah I thought that was helpful what about you yeah no I did I thought it's um it's quite an interesting way of looking at the whole area of of practice particularly for well obviously we're coming from a general practice perspective but progression for healthcare assistants essentially for it was what it felt like is that or, or from I mean you can get to it from any way but the fact that you can progress throughout and so like Marina said you know you can do whatever you want and you can you can keep training and keep doing different courses um unless you're too tired <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but it's just that fact that you you know you have scope and there's variability and progress and progression yeah that was nice um and the fact that it can be accessed by anyone really actually as yeah. an apprenticeship um I thought that was really good um as an avenue in to um to a role in healthcare it was yeah I was surprised by that yeah it's it's it sounds like an amazing role it'd be really interesting um to work with a nice associate um because I suspect they would bring a lot to the team yeah definitely yeah given the 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 amount of stuff they can do i was writing down it was like venipuncture vaccines ecgs vital signs recognize a deteriorating patient like holistic care a little bit of mental health diabetic reviews asthma reviews smears if they upskill yeah. like there's quite a lot of remit there isn't there yeah absolutely yeah so it's lovely and it was we were saying after we recorded uh i think their enthusiasm was just gorgeous as well um so it's lovely to talk to people who who care about people it's extremely well placed i know 100 percent, definitely um 
So if you want to get in touch with us, there's a couple of different ways you can do so. And we'll put the information in the episode description um, so you can check that out. Um, We'll also put some useful links in the episode description about uh, bits that are relevant to, to the episode. We love getting feedback, so please do get in touch if you want to let us know how we're doing um, or if you've got any suggestions for how we can um, improve the, the podcast. That would be amazing. Yeah, thank you very much for listening. Until next time. On Primary Care Knowledge Boost. This podcast has been able to continue to date due to the support of GP Excellence, Wigan Borough CCG, Greater Manchester Training Hub and the GP Fellowship Programme, as well as Greater Manchester Health and Social Care Partnership. Just a friendly reminder that these podcasts are for healthcare professional education and shouldn't be used for medical advice by the general public. They were recorded in Greater Manchester in 2021. Guidelines can vary by location as well as over time, so always check for up-to-date local and national guidelines before you make treatment decisions. The content is based on our interviewee's opinion and interpretation of current best practice. It's your responsibility to use your clinical judgment before applying or relying on information solely from this podcast. Check out the episode description for full details and any links that we've mentioned in the episode.